our true heart is in the strings and the pretty things and everything else and the songs and the vote. That's Bobby and Steve. And I think with our energy that we portray on the radio and with the music as well, just thinking about it now, now we're talking about it, coming out of those speakers as people are going around, must have been so explosive. And we had Chrissy T in there, you know, we had our little firm. And some people would come up there to be like four of us. They'd go, it sounds like you've got about 40,000 people in this room. Because <laughs> we would just have fun. We would have jokes and, you know, music was the important thing, but we would enjoy ourselves. And I can honestly say sometimes I was so, so tired. I even even took producing the show beforehand at home. Take me a few hours to get things together. And the, as soon as I sat in that chair and that mic went up, everything just cleansed to me. It's just, I thought, look at this, man. It is so healing. And it was it's just a beautiful thing. So thanks for pulling me back on the Kiss FM. Oh, also, let me clarify something, too, between you being both identical twins is one the artistic one and one more the business one yeah. so because people don't really know that they know yeah. you guys as djs but yeah. who's the artist true artistic one that really because it sounds like it's more you from what you're explaining yeah, yeah well you, you you spot on there going back to 1934 when we started um, we had the White Citronic turntable, Umbria on the turntable, Steve Bell on the turntables, and my friend, our friend Michael James. Who's looking after the fucking club? <laughs> the bar. We was all behind there playing music. And I said, Steve, because we knew three quarters of the people that were there the first night. It was our people from the manor. We said, Steve, you need to go out and be a host. Where that came from, I don't know. And that was it. Steve, go know. And it's one of them things that's never stopped. And again, why I, I know that we've lasted so long because we are approachable. It's not, oh, we need to speak to them, otherwise they're not going to come back. No, it's, it's just something that just happened naturally. Um, and people like that interaction with people that they think are not approachable, right? Especially. So it wasn't like, we, it's just a natural, we're just giving people, man. That, that's just how it is. So moving on. I started DJ more and Steve was being more of the host and it, it, fell, it fell into it like that. Again, this is how it's meant to be. I am the, the, the production guy, uh, the hands-on, you know what I mean, the, the, the studio guy, the, the this, the that, and Steve is the ideas, the promoter, and da 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 And it, that our partnership has just worked so beautifully because of that as well. Do you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong. Well, let me ask you something about being a brother to a brother, identical. Do you yeah. guys, you know, they say... When you're identical, you actually answer for each other. You'll actually open your mouth. He can answer. Is it like that between you two? Yeah, I can only speak for, for me and Steve, right? And um, from a young, young age, we would be in the same room and, you know, our vibration is exactly the same. We know who we like and we don't like. Do you know what I mean? We don't even have to say anything. We know people's vibes. We, we pick up people's vibes straight away and we do think the same thing. When we meet, is when we listen. That it's not. You know, we're going to say this. We're going to say that. It's just we know each other, and I know when you're going to say that. We do. We, the vibration, the connection is so strong. It's so strong, and um, it's only when you look back at stuff. You know, you keep going, you keep going, you keep going, and then you look back at stuff and everything else. And you know, having interviews and like I said, COVID has shown me a lot. Right to 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 look back, and not to look back in anger, to to look back and think, wow. Because so many people, because of what's happened with COVID, with Steve and stuff, people are just showing so much love. It's just so, so overwhelming. And the things they say, and because me and Steve are not 
oh, we done that, we done this, we done that, we done that for you. We're not interested in all that. I don't give people, we don't give people gigs to say, what you got for us now, what you got for us now, throughout the years doing that. It's well, never been givers, it's not. Between COVID and everything else, let's just say like this, it's nice that we're having flowers while we're here. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I've said this in other our episodes. It's nice getting flowers while we're all together. And yeah, no, definitely. Back, you know? Definitely, Lenny. And it's, you know, and for you as well, because um, you, know, you had a lot of break from that. So you went musical change or whatever for a few years, but we were still in contact now. Oh, yeah. We always talked. Yeah, but what you're doing now, when I saw your thing flag up a couple of years ago, I thought, what a great idea, you know? It doesn't have to be some big um, uh, corporate company or some big platform doing these things, you know? We, build, we all started house music together, right? That's exactly it. And, and right. stories need to be told, because there is. We are getting, like, look, I'm 59 in three weeks' time, me and Steve. There's new generation, there's new generations, but we are still all relevant. Do you know what I mean? And education, yeah, there's people that are bring young DJs in, yeah, bring them in. But they need to be educated on the knowledge. Do you know what I mean? It's like, who done what under the, because it's important. It's, it's truly important, you know? Your Paul Andersons of the world cannot go um, without, you know? He needs to have a voice. I've got, you know, with me and Steve, I've got a voice. I've got the voice now until Steve comes back. But we need, you know, I've never talked so much about Bobby Steve in all the fucking 38 years. You're going to. And this is part of the writing. You have to. No, I know that. But if you don't, if you don't express it and explain it, all these great things that were complementary to what you've done will never be. Yeah. There will never be the right light shined on it. Mm -hmm. And I've always said this: there's no one better to tell their story than them. Yeah. Because you have to. This unless they're on your lapel. And with you everywhere, nobody really knows. They only see bits, bobs, parts. They don't see yeah. you, know, you guys are upset, struggling, aggravated, you know, trying to resuss our situation. You know, because yeah. they see us all happy. Everything's going good. That's yeah. why it was important for me to make this show. For all of you to make sure we document these pieces so that it will be there for infamy. As yeah, I applaud you. You know, you mentioned Bentley's. We had Bentley's in New York. Bentley's there used to be a, a DJ named Sugar Daddy. Was it, a was it more of a commercial club? Was it? Yeah, Bentley's. Mm -hmm. Bentley's in Manhattan. Yeah, R and B. You got Never been there, but I heard of it. Yeah, yeah. You got dressed up. You know, to, you had yeah. to wear a jacket. The man had to wear a jacket. The whole thing. I <laughs> Was Bentley's like that in London too? No. <laughs> Bentley's was <laughs> underground, man. No, because Bentley's in New York. When I think of Bentley's in New York, I'm like, oh, man, the guy had on. He had to have his jacket on to go to this club. And Sugar Daddy playing, like, uh, all those, you know, slow R&B records. Super cool. It was great. It's just not what I'm picturing Bentley's of, of London. Yeah. No, no, no. Bentley's, Bentley's was, um, I think it was the back of a, of a pub. But it was uh, it was it was just the best. It was just the best for proper music, man. Do you know what I mean? It was just the best. When so you, going back, when you got go. the Citronic setup, mm -hmm. first night that they said, "Okay, guys, you do it." Did you know what you were doing when you 
when you went and started playing music or you just threw stuff on and said, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't, it was just Citronic. It was the Citronic mixer, Citronic turntables. We was just playing the music. You know, you live with Van Jars. There was some go-go beats going on there as well. Some good stuff and some cool hip-hop stuff and that. And it, it was just, um, you know, and you had like your, your boogie stuff. Um, Sweet thing, you know, conversion. We're big Blue Eyed Burgess fans, right? From oh, I know that because you bring them over all the time. <laughs> I was on the phone to him today. He's coming to play for us. Because let me tell you something now. Say it. Growing up with the music, I was one of these geek or whatever you want to call it. I would be buy the records, buy the albums. I would buy the records and go home, play the records and sit there and read every single word on them albums. The production, the producers, the publishers. I was just in it. While the record was playing, I, I, was, I was one of them guys. And then I got into Leroy Burgess and there was something about his voice just just, just resonated with me personally. I'm talking about my experience, not Steve's experience, but me personally. And I thought, my God. And I used to copy his voice. I used to like, sing like him. I don't know what it was. Anyway, going and then, so I'm just trying to go through the years now, right? So this is so let's go back to 1988 Thank because you. what happened was uh, me, Steve, our good friend Stuart Ostry, uh, our cousin Peter Remy, and Lloyd Bertrand. We thought let's start a record label again. Don't know where that idea came from. We had no experience of that. This is 1988, right? Four years after we started DJing. So in London, East London, now it's quite um, there's a place, a road called Commercial Road, and we thought let's get an office. We've got we got this money together. We've got a fleet of offices. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So you thought you had to get a fleet of offices and make you something no, like, We didn't no. even have a record out yet. We just, <laughs> yeah, we got a record out, but we got to have an office. We got to have that. We got a poor office. It's like we're living at large. So we thought we could, so we got a fleet of offices. Like we got this long hold, you know, top floor. <laughs> and there was five of us. We used to do five of us. We all had an office each. <laughs> Wait, we're with, with desks and all, right? Yeah, we had an office proper, proper thing. We had an opening day for our family and everything. <laughs> I don't know what I'm laughing. Wait, ribbon cutting ceremony and all? <laughs> we had it. Honestly, we gave a speech, champagne. I swear, on my parents. I know, and this is why I know it's true. I don't know why I'm laughing because it's fine. It's fine. So we sat down. So we had a meeting, as you do. So we had a meeting. We thought, what are we going to do now? What are we doing? And we was all into Leroy Burgess. So we thought, let's get Leroy Burgess. Sign Leroy Burgess. So we did. <laughs> In 1988, we got him to do a five-track EP. Um, we got him to do a version of Barely Breaking Even, because Leroy, Jen Callaway, and Sunday Davenport, I know all the names because I went for it, I used to do all my history, right? all my reading, him and his cousins, they wrote a lot of the songs. And as much as Leroy Burgess is a great frontman and a singer, there's a lot of stuff that he didn't vocal. Right? I mean, Billy Breaking even did, but we wanted a, another version of that. Um, we got him to do that. We got him to do Big Time Rick James, because he wrote Big Time Rick James. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got him to do that uh, over like a fat rap, uh, which he wrote with Fonda Ray and that. We got him to do that, and there was two other tracks. So we signed him up for that. We brought him over. This is 1988. Again. <laughs> Wait for him to fly over. <laughs> Get him in the in London, the whole thing. Put him up in the hotel. Take care of him, right? I remember it now. 
Leroy Burgess, and I hope Leroy's watching this, I tell you when I'm going to be in. He was Leroy, because he couldn't go out as Leroy Burgess for contractual reasons, what he was doing back in, 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 in with the Lean Brothers and stuff. So it was Leroy Burgess and um, Tyrone Williams. Tyrone Williams was the lead singer for Orange Juice Jones. He was Leroy's protege at the time, right? So I didn't, I'd never heard of him before on that, but I knew of Orange Juice Jones. But Leroy said, right, I'm going to do these tracks with... Oh, fine, paying this money, went to the big studio to New York, all that. And we brought him over to do a to do a tour. That big color, big concert at the Astoria Theatre. And I remember we picked Leroy up and we was in Leicester Square, um, in, in the in the centre of town. And Leroy was walking around with sequin jackets we got him. They were so excited. It was a bit of summertime, it was lovely, and I thought, look at this man. So our first experience into record, into the record industry. We signed our hero. Well, any regrets on that? No, because what's come out of that was a beautiful thing. The record label, we lasted, that was um, Zoo Sobe Records. Zoo, that lasted, I don't know, a couple of years, two, three years on that. Um, but it's what came out. We've still got the masters. I've still had the records there. They was 100 BPM. They were soul records. We made them into house jams. And, you know, all this time later on, 30 odd years, still doing that. But what we've got out of it is, is, a, is a beautiful friendship, you know? with Leroy, um, which sitting down reading his records and copying his voice. I told him this story as well. And then all of a sudden, yeah, you're in this with him. It's like, anyway, so that was our, our thing into, our, into the record industry, right? What started us into, into that. Um, and then Garage City, going back to the Kiss FM, wanted to do a club night. Um, Gordon said, Gordon and Jay said, wanted to do, a, to do club promotion. Steve said, just call it Garage City, bang, do our first house night. And um, Garage City was born on the 20th of July, um, 1991, at a place called Joe's Nightclub. For those who know London, it's the side road of Duke Street, which has got Selfridges, the big famous store. It's on the side road of that. Um, and it was 200, 250 capacity downstairs, really lovely place. Packed. The first night, it must have been 500 people outside. Only get 250 inside. And... Um, I know it's one of the first soulful house all-nighters ever to happen. And that's where Garage City was born and it started from there. It was us, Ricky Morrison, uh, Frankie Fonset, Jeremy Yule, Chrissy T, um, yeah, Mickey D. On the first night, it was just amazing and everyone was down there. And it went from there for 12 months to 250 capacity. We had to go bigger. We don't play, right? So we've gone from 250 to 2,000. Do you know what I mean? To the Podium nightclub in Vauxhall in South London. And um, that was when the lights were really shining on Garage City then because obviously you had all the New Yorkers, you know, yourself and everyone. Everyone went to come over to play because there's a club. See, that's yeah. everybody. He gave it to me. Look at that. Yeah, I said no. But thanks to Ricky Morrison, he, he sent that to me. That's Ricky. Goes, yeah. That's the original flyer, man. 20th of July, Garage City all nighter. And that, that's when Garage City, I mean, Garage City was born on, on the 20th of July, that Jones. But to take it to that massive platform, I mean, you know, Roger Sanchez, um, Danny Talaglia, um, everyone went there. Derek Carter came there to play for us. Everybody wanted, you know, we had 10 City live on stage, DJing, all these old house acts. And it was just, honestly, every single Saturday night from 10 o'clock till 6 in the morning, packed. And the thing was, it wasn't just exciting for us because we were all on this journey together. It was, everyone who used to, was coming there, it was all exciting. All the music was coming out. 
So we was all experiencing this for the first time together, you know, and it was so exciting. It lasted there um, for a couple of years, two, three years, and then we had to downsize it because obviously more parties are coming out. You know, the competition became, even though we didn't really look at competition, but, you know, we went to, then we moved to Bar Rumba down Sharsby Avenue, um, which was a great spot. And um, you played, that's what you played a few times. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> 36 Sharsby Avenue. And yeah. everyone, you know, we used to get all, 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 the, all the New Yorkers, all the Chicago boys, everyone, you know, Terry Hunter, um, the late, great David Camacho, you know, original house DJs, man, back in the day. Yeah, it's, it's it, honestly, that that was, the, it was just a spot. And um, the beautiful thing about it is we, we was just bringing everyone in, everyone in, you know, everyone we can bring in and put, put them on, on our platform, we would. And, um, Garage City has been a, a true blessing and a, and, a, and a major part of me and Steve's life. Um, so, and that all stemmed back to going to the Paradise Garage. Do you know what I mean? Um, back then. So, yeah, Garage City, Garage City. And we was, so, you know, let me, ask you, that. let me ask you something about because you're one of the few that made it to the garage. Did you get to experience the sound system at its glory? Like that whole feeling in the room? Did you, because, Coming from England, it's such a different experience walking yeah. into. It's like Sodom and Gomorrah. I always say it. it's like, oh my god, this is so different. Did you yeah. get that same feeling? Yeah, it was like, I mean, it was like um, there were no big clubs like that. There was commercial clubs, big like that, I suppose. You know, we've got things like Hollywoods. I think they come out in the nineties, actually. But nothing on an underground thing, and. And with the sound system, so you would go, you go, wow, 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 wow. Everything just tick the box to a mega level. The sound, so you say experience the sound system. Yeah, of course we heard the sound system. But in them days, was we thinking, oh, my God, what speakers they got? What da, da, da. No, you're not thinking that. You're not thinking yeah. that. You're just taking in the experience. Exactly. Yeah, and knowing that we've never experienced anything like this before, and it just resonated. This is us. This is us. And we was right because that was us and it is still us. And on the back of that, we got our own Paradise Garage in Garage City, you know? And that's Is that why you created that name, Garage City, off that? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was because of going to the Paradise Garage. Ah. 100%. That, that's why we everything was there. So we kept Steve saying, you need to get a house last week. No. Because, because the crowd was, wasn't into it as much as we was. The majority of our crowd, when we were doing our soul parties and playing little house records. But as time went on, yeah, but yeah, definitely. Garage City was definitely born in the back of our visit in 1987 to, to the Paradise Garage. Now, for yeah. me, for example, playing clubs like Wild Pitch in New York was post-Garage, which was my crowd was same as Camacho and the rest. We had a Puerto Rican and Black crowd. So when I came to play in England, I'm playing the same music that I would play for my crowd. Mm-hmm. Your crowd, which is totally almost more on the wider side, loving the soulful house, which blew us all the way. Because here back home, New York and the States, that was more for that demographic. Post yes. what we were used to. It was amazing to see it. I wasn't the only one that said it. A lot of us were like, wow. In the yeah. yeah, and I think as well with Garage City, what, what we've done, because um, when we started doing our night, our soul nights, um, when we started DJing and that, um, predominantly our, our night was was a black crowd, right? Um, predominantly. And then when we started doing the house night and that, 
like Garage City was such a mixture of people. And like you said, from the outside coming in, it's like, okay, do you know what I mean? You could play disco infused music. You could play, it wasn't just the dirty underground. Do you know what I mean? It was everything was uplifting. You know, we had, had the best crowds, man. I'm not going to say that. I don't care. No, you definitely did. They were very well educated. I won't lie. They were very well educated. They yeah. knew their music. Yeah. That's- so it was, it, it was really good. I mean, and Garage City, you know, it, it just went from strength to strength. We've done our first Italian tour, thanks to Richard Clemente in 1993. He came to the Vauxhall when we had the 2000 Capacity Club. And like, oh, wow. You know, and I've got to say again, big love and big respect to our, our man Paul Anderson, all right, because Garage City was, 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 he was a major part of Garage City. Do you know what I mean? Um, he would always do the ending set because he'd be playing other places like North and whatever and come down to play. And people just wait for Paul at the end. Though. Hey, everybody. That's he, would, he would do this. He would do, he would snap the, the fader like that and drop it down. You hear everybody go, trouble! Boom, back it in. Everybody's crowd would scream. Yeah, man. Do you know what I mean? 100%. So, yeah, we got to do um, – there's a lot of firsts that Garage City got to do. Like, um, you know – What's the first? To, Go ahead. We went to, yeah, he, he went to Italy. We'd done the Italian tour in 1993. Um, we were the first soulful promoters to do – have a residency in Ibiza um, yes. at Espanadis. Um, the first UK soulful promoters to go to the Miami Winter Music Conference – that's right. Um, there. 17 years we were there for. I know. Right? Me and Steve doing our parties out there. 17 years, okay? And our boy Stuart was with us and everything else. And, yeah, we had, I mean, great memories even from out there in Miami. I mean, the first party we'd done, was it Club Blue? In, it's Espanola Way, small club. And then after that, we went to the Shadow Lounge, um, which was a massive, massive deal for us. We had Ricky Morrison, Paul Anderson, um, Booker was there, Chrissy, all, all of us. And we was just showcasing a UK night. And because on the back of Garage City from the UK, and all the Americans would, would come and play for us, all the US royalty was in the house that night, right? Everyone. It was like, look at this. We're in their town. Everyone was just there. And it was just such a beautiful thing. And then we went from the nightclub. This is Steve's really quick ideas and that. So we was, one, we was one of the first social house promoters to do a regular at um, the Miami Winter Music Conference. And then other promoters that are coming over and everyone's doing night parties. Steve said, let's flip it. Let's do a daytime party. Forget this. We moved to Clevelander. <laughs> right? And history was just born again, man. It's like the Cleveland. We started a brand called Soul on the Beach. Yeah. And man, that 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 was just, um, you know, Terry Hunter was a, was a resident there as well. And every, we had all the DJs. All the PAs you could think of in one day, you know, like two and a half, three thousand people passing through this daytime party. Bang on for those who ain't been, bang on on, on south on southeast Ocean Drive, the Cleveland Hotel. So Garage City, you know, that that we started off at Garage City, then we went on to Seoul and the Beach on that. But you saw you saw we saw from from Garage City stuff, you know. So yeah, Garage City um, on the house side of it was just just, just been amazing. On that side, and but along the way, we've still been doing our disco. You know, we've never left our disco. And you know, people say a few years ago, disco's back. You know what? For those who know, disco never went anywhere. Do you know what I mean? I said the same thing. Disco's it's not never back. Disco's never gone anywhere. Disco's back on a bigger scale, but it's not. You know, I'm talking about real disco now. Do you know what I mean? I'm not talking about, and I'm not hating or nothing. I'm talking about just real disco. You talk yeah. about ABBA? 
He's talking talking about the real stuff. Real stuff that we all danced to and played. The real underground, more underground stuff. Yeah, so so the Garage City thing, and then in, we, we moved from Garage City to um, Garage City took a break. It shut in um, last week was in two 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 thousand two, and about two thousand seven we hooked up with Michael Hughes, who does Fifty First Day. We started Fifty First Day. We started doing parties with him to like two thousand nine, really, when Groove Odyssey was born. Um, and then, yeah, Groove Odyssey's just gone from strength to strength. So our new brand, me, Steve, and Michael uses, that's the Groove Odyssey, celebrates 13 years on the 26th of November. We're having a big party at the Ministry of Sound. We're be I hope we didn't lose you. Uh-oh. So just in case, before he was talking about his November anniversary party, we, I think... Sorry, can you hear me? I'm like, the computer yeah. just shut yeah. off. He, he just—he was saying about the anniversary for Groove Odyssey at Ministry. What? What's the date? November what? It's uh, the Saturday, the twenty-sixth of November. Oh, right after Thanksgiving, everybody. So, who's ever in town, get yourselves down. Yeah, and I spoke to, to Leroy today, and he was like, "Oh, but you know, it's, he's leaving on the twenty-fourth to get on the twenty-fifth. You know, it's Thanksgiving down." I said, "No, don't know." I but know, just, I know. You know, you're not thinking about Thanksgiving. Is <laughs> that like, whatever? Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, so this is with the Garage City. Um, so Groove Odyssey, but I want to go back to um, I want to just go to um to what people don't know is is 2016, the beginning of 2016, I sort of was gonna retire from DJing, right? I just thought, do you know what? Yeah, there was some whisper about this. I was like yeah, I just thought I'm not I'm just um nothing happened. It was just I get these vibes sometimes, you know what I mean? The big man talks to me and, uh, and I feel it. And I just thought, do you know what? Um, time for time for a change. Um, to just, to, not time for change, it's not I've had enough. I just, well, something wasn't feeling right with me. So I spoke with Steve and I spoke to Mark. Now when the story's getting really great, we're losing the connection. Stay with us, please. Do not leave. Something's going on with Mr. Bobby's computer. Hopefully he can come back. He was just saying the good Lord was talking about around 2016 about him hanging up his golden ear cup. And there was whispers about it, but I didn't believe it. I says, what are these guys going to do? They're going to leave this now? I don't know what's going on there, Lenny. The computer just... um... You're now back. But I was just (laughs) filling in the whole thing about God came down and you would think about putting the golden cup on the wall and hanging it and hanging it all up. So, yeah. Um, I'm not sure what's happening with this computer. Yeah. uh, As as the story is getting really steamy now, it's like... And then what happened? Yeah, and then... um, uh, I thought I want to give this up. And then about four weeks after that, I got a call from my good friend, Terry Hunter, Chicago. And he said, guys, I want you lot to come over and play at Chosen Few, which is the festival they do for those who don't know. It's been going on for 30 odd years or whatever, right? 30 years. Um, and I thought, wow, look at that. Just when I was going to say no. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Hang on. Watch. 
So you could tell us what exactly went down. End of December 2019. I know you were in Spain, if I remember correctly, right? Yeah, Mark. So what happened was Steve, again, came out with his idea. Bob, clock's ticking. We've never done an artist album because I want people to know, Bobby and Steve, um, radio presenters, DJ, DJs, radio presenters, DJs, promoters, radio presenters. The production, record label owner, and just, just music business people. But the, the production side of it, um, we've never never wear a production hat. We'd never, put us, we'd never say we're record producers. It's just something that I never would say that we are, right? We love doing it, and I've learned a few skills along the way, but never put in the time to be that man because to be, to be the, 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 you know, the, the, that, to wear that hat at a big level, it wasn't, well, I'm not interested. Yeah, once a year, maybe not even that, we'd go and we'd make a record. Even though we had a studio on Shaftesbury Avenue, um, we was there for like 12 years. Me, Steve and Michael Borgi, we had big office and studios, our event office, and then we said, oh, let's make, I said, let's make this into a studio. We had a 32 desk Mackie and everything else. We had an MPC, 3000 drum machine, still got all that stuff. The drum machine, not, 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 not the mixer ball. Um, but we never really pushed ourselves to be producers. Do you know what I mean? Stayed in our lane, in the back, in the outside, outside lane. Because it wasn't, you know, financially we're earning a lot of money doing other things and heart's never been into it. But Steve said, let's make an album. I thought, okay, let's do an album because you don't know what, 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 what's going to happen around the corner. And we wasn't, we didn't know what was going to happen, did we? Um, so we made an album. Um, it got released in February 2020. And then we had um, like a 12 day tour thing lined up. The first one was in. Um, in Madrid, um, a good friend, Nacho. And um, we flew out there on the Saturday, the 7th of March, flew back on the Sunday, the 8th of March on the Monday. Now, this is pre-COVID, right? This is pre-lockdown in the UK. So we got back on the, on, so on the 8th. So on the 9th of March, me, Steve, and someone else, we're having a conference call. Steve's in his house. I'm in my house and so on. And we're, we're chatting, and then I start losing my breath, just talking like that. And, Oh, I hope we didn't lose him. We need to get the story out of what happens in COVID era. We'll stand by. Let's quickly recap. They say they're not producers. They produced a lot of records, a few albums, did some remixes along the way, produced some great club nights. Did amazing events worldwide. I think they have a lot to their name. And, and as well, earned a Lifetime Achievement Award at the Chosen Few. That says a hell of a lot of the journey of 30-plus years of pushing this dance music card. Not many can even say they've lasted that long, no less to have all these wonderful achievements. So hopefully Bobby comes back. Come on, Bobby, come back. Let's see. Yeah, he knows. He Here he is. He's coming back. Hang on. What? Lenny. He's back. Okay. Can you hear me? Hear you fine. Right. I'm, I'm actually on my phone now. <laughs> the computer's dead. I don't know. Oh, my God. I'm actually have to put it on my phone. Okay. Do you know what? Let me just get a stand. Stay there one second. I'm going to come straight back. All right. Because we need. See, this is a. This is a. This is a guy that. See what happens when you're in production. 
every way to make it work. Forget it. The sound system broke down. Bring another sound piece in. Don't worry. The electric went out. Go get a generator. Turn it on. Keep these people going. Do not let this stop. People want to know. We're almost there. He's going to tell us a story about COVID part, which people want to know about. They don't know yeah. where. All right, look at that. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. No, I know. I know. Well, Dance with Stevie. Okay. You good? Let me shut this computer. I don't know what's going on with that. Right. So, apologies, everyone. Everybody's waiting. They understood. We reached out a little bit while you were gone. So, you were talking about your album going on tour, Spain. Yeah. Nacho brought you over first gig. You go back, and uh -huh. it starts to become somewhat erratic. Take it from there. Yeah, so I start losing my breath on the call, just talking, losing my breath. And then Steve, 10 minutes later, Steve, in, in an hour, we both lost it about three, four times, and we put the phone down, we called each other and said, I think we've caught something. But we wasn't alarmed because there was no warnings here. The UK wasn't locked down, and we knew things were going across the pond, as everyone else did in Wuhan. Um, but that was that. Seven days later, we had a gig in Manchester. Um, and we went up to Manchester. I started getting a bit, I started getting worse. Um, the, lucky enough, the gig was in the hotel. We shout to Raja Quiller and Dave Law. Um, the gig was in the bottom of the hotel, right in the basement. And we stayed in this lovely hotel. And I just thought, I'm standing in my bed. I didn't feel good at all. Um, Went downstairs and come and get me half an hour beforehand. They come and got me. I went downstairs, played, had a few brandies. My adrenaline kicked in, played an amazing set. That was that. The next day I woke up, I was just in bits. I thought something doesn't feel right. I was just, it was just symptoms I've never had before. I mean, I what was like 56 then. And in all that time, I've had massive flu before. Severe flu, severe chest infections. Never had any. These symptoms were just crazy, just like knocking me out. Got back home on the Sunday because there was three of us. I went out there. Got back home on the Sunday. I went straight to my bed. Um, so Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday must have been. So the last three days, I don't remember anything being in my in my in my bedroom or nothing. My wife said my temperature was thirty nine, forty degrees, but because um, the UK was saying. Um, don't come to the hospital unless you've got really, really, really bad symptoms. And that was that. My wife was sleeping upstairs in the loft because obviously my temperature was high. She went upstairs to sleep in, in, in the top floor. And um, I only found this out afterwards when she showed me a text. I looked at my phone. I texted her at 5 o'clock in the morning on the 20th, Friday night, Thursday night, Friday morning, 5 o'clock in the morning, to say, I can't breathe. You need to set the hospital. She said when she came down, she was so worried because I was just panting for breath. And I, I can't even remember all that. I remember getting in the car. She drove me. Our local hospital was 10 minutes away. And I remember seeing the sign saying hospital, um, getting out of the car and struggling to walk there. And I, I, I remember seeing that. And that's it. Um, five hours later, which I was told it was, I was on a, on a bed. And these doctors... Um, my wife had told me when, when she brought me into the hospital, they put me, they took my oxygenation straight away and it was so low. They rushed me through and she couldn't come through because of the restrictions. And 
I remember opening my eyes and pretty scared, not of having COVID, what was in front of me. They pulled his screen back and there was like four to five doctors or whoever they was. Now, this is the first time I'm seeing PPE, right? They've got their masks on, they're, 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 the shields, they've got all purple gloves and all. And I've opened my eyes. Now, remember, I'm a bit basswoody all over the place. And I'm thinking, what the fuck? It was like people came down from a spaceship to come and get me, right? I opened my eyes, I thought, I was scared of them. I wasn't scared of what was going on because I had no fear because when I went into hospital, we was one of the, I was one of the first, right, me and Steve, um, to be admitted from COVID in, here in London. So it wasn't like all the news you've seen stuff and blah, blah, blah. I had nothing to reference to. So I had no fear. So I remember the doctor saying to me, uh, we're going to have to put you um, into an induced coma. Um, and my head was a bit older. I said, what's that again? Because we've got to put you to sleep. And as I said, just do what you've got to do. Seven days later, I woke up. At, at, they put me into an induced coma and put me on a ventilator. Seven days later, I woke up. And um, our local hospital is called Witch Cross Hospital, which is 10 minutes from here. I woke up seven days later, and I was in Bart's Hospital in St. Paul's, like in the city. They had moved me. My wife said to me, and she, got, she called her 24 hours after I was admitted to say they're going to move me. My wife said, why are you going to move him? He's in a, he's in a coma. Because more people were coming in with COVID. And they said, even though I was in a coma, I was the most stable to move. So, again, God is good. Because I went to one of the best hospitals in London, in my, you know, some of the best consultants. Um, so I was in a coma for seven days. They took me out of, when they took me out of the induced coma, and uh, off the ventilator. Um, what I do want to share, which I think is important, which I, I, I started talking about when I get interviews now, because I think it's really important for me to say this and talk about it, because it has made me, made me the person that you're looking at now, even stronger in beliefs and everything. Whilst I was in my coma for seven days, I don't know if it was day one or day seven, um, I went to the spiritual world. I was in this white room, right? I was sitting on a chair, just like I am now, back against the wall. I don't know if there was a wall behind me. I didn't look. I'm sitting on this chair with my arms on my knees, and this woman, normal-sized room, brilliant white, no windows, just white, this white square room. And on the floor were squares, like a disco floor, but nothing was flashing. And I'm sitting on this chair, and I'm looking, now, again, remember, I'm in a coma, but I'm aware that I'm in a coma and I'm aware what's going on here. I knew, not like I was in the dream, and I, wasn't, I was aware of everything that was going on, even though I was in a coma. So I'm sitting there, and then this woman's voice in this right here says, Robert, my real name is Robert, right? Robert, it's 12 o'clock now. By 1 o'clock, you have to get into that middle square, otherwise it's not going to be good. And then a man's voice said it in this air. And they kept repeating it five times, whatever, ten times. There was no dialogue between that. I didn't look at them. I didn't need to look at them. It was a woman's voice and a man's voice. And then she said, right, it's 12 o'clock now. We're going. If you're not in that middle square at one o'clock, it's not going to be good. And then that moment just went. And I was scared. Not of what they were saying. It's a bit, I can't even explain it for you, but it wasn't like they were saying, 
there was no fear of death or nothing like that. Or I was scared of, oh my God, what's going to happen? Because I'm a bit of a control freak. I like to know what's going on. And this is no word of a lie. I was thinking, oh my God, what's going to happen? So I started getting, this all happened really quick. I'm, I'm getting really worried. Now, this is 2020. We lost our dad in 2019. Again, I'm aware dad's gone. So I'm sitting here in this chair and I've gone, dad, you've got to help me. I don't want to be this. I don't know why I came to the hospital. I was swearing. I don't know why I came to the hospital for. This is all bollocks. Blah, blah, blah. I said, you know, I love my wife. I've been with my wife for 40 years, right? Um, you know, I love my wife. I love my kids and everything else. I don't want to do this no more. And then I said, dad, take me with you. That's how aware I am that dad, just, you know, I'm aware of everything. Dad, take me with you. Now, my dad was with me. I didn't see him. I didn't need to see him. But in this spiritual realm, he was with me, man, and it was so beautiful, right? On reflection, looking at him, he was just like, and he was just there with me. There was no, there was no speaking, but he was there. He was with me. So this, this, so this moment has gone now, right? Now, I'm back in, in my ICU room now, right? Now I'm back in the real world. Now, I don't know if this is straight after this section with my dad. I don't know. There's, there's, no, there's no evaluation of time. So now I'm in the ICU room, they're taking me off the ventilator, they're taking me off the sedation, I'm coming through, they're saying, oh, open your eyes, or open your eyes. So my mind's a little bit like, it's just all these bright lights flashing inside of the situation going on, and they're telling me to, to follow the finger, I can see in the distance some stuff, telling me to squeeze, I just had enough energy to squeeze the finger. I, I told them afterwards, how long did that procedure take? They said it was two days for me to come through. So the second day, when I'm through now, like I'm aware, not fully full, but I'm out, my eyes are wide and I'm aware of what's going on. They said, right, we're going to take you out of the chair now and we're going to put you in the bed. So two of them, two doctors, two assistants, they lifted me out of the bed and they put me in the chair. Lenny, as soon as my bum hit that chair, right, as soon as that bum hit my chair, I had this feeling that was so powerful, right, of love. This feeling just came over me, and I'm, I'm like this, and I'm going, oh, my God, my arm, I've crossed my arms like this, and I'm going, oh, my God, oh, my God. I'm smiling. I'm crying. They look at me going, are you okay? Are you okay? Because obviously what's happening, and I'm looking up. All I'm talking about is love, 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 love. I had this, this feeling, electricity, voltage, whatever it was, this feeling of love that was so beautiful and so powerful, right? And I said, I've got to speak to my wife. Call my wife. Call my wife. I called my wife, Silma. I said, babe, something just happened to me. I said, I don't know how to explain it. But all I said, love, we've got love, love. That's all that's coming out of my mouth. Anyway, so that was that. So two days after that, I got moved into my ward. I'm out at ICU now, right? Because I'm building up my energy. They put me into a normal ward. Now I'm allowed my phone. Steve's called me. Um, wish it was. My wife, Silma, called me. And said, oh, we're chatting. She goes, oh, Julie's just brought Steve to hospital. Because he's, while I'm in hospital, Steve's getting well, he's getting bad. You know, we both caught this at the same time. Steve's going up and down while I'm in hospital. So she said, oh, Steve's been taken in. Julie's taking Steve in. And I said, just like this, I said, it's fine. So I said, he'll be out in two weeks. Because I know I'm ready to go home soon. And the only reference I had, I mean, I was in a coma when and from the 20th and the lockdown happened in the UK on the 23rd. I was in a coma when this country went into lockdown. 
So I'm not even aware of what's going on on that side. You're early. You're pre to everything shutting down. You're early. You're like right before that everything hit the fan. Yeah, three days before. I went on the 20th and the 21st, but not going to happen. And um, so I'm my only reference, right? So I said, all right, Steve, we'll be out in two weeks' time. That's that. I eventually got myself discharged because I thought I can't. I've never been hospitalized before. I was in a great hospital. Great, Everything was great. Every, all the boxes were ticked. The food, everything was, was ticked in the right direction, right? But I just needed to get something. Was, I needed to get out of there. So I, 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 they said I couldn't because I couldn't walk. I said, what, is, what, what do I need to do to, to make you feel You need to walk there to there to there, there, there but you ain't going to do that now because this and that. When they went, when the night time, two, three, four in the morning, I'd get up and I'd be walking with my stick when everyone's sleeping, right? And then they said I was dehydrated. How much water do I need to drink to be dehydrated? Well, if you do this and do that, they, the next day I said to them, can, I can walk. They said, no, you can't. I said, watch. And I started walking. I said, can I go home? They had to. I said, if you don't go home, I'll discharge myself because I just needed to get home, right? I, don't, I needed to be around love. It was just about love. That's all that was around me. They discharged me. So now it's been a few days. How many, how many weeks from when you stepped in that hospital till you got home? Were you were you 14 days, two weeks. Two weeks. So full four. Yeah, yeah, two, seven days in a coma and seven days, um, seven days in a coma, two days in ICU, and then five or four days, four days or whatever, four or five no, days. The positive Yours is more the positive one. A lot more people yeah. were under that that iron lung for a lot longer. You're very positive. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, Steve, so then I got discharged, and then, you know, we all say, what's happening with Steve? His wife, Julie's calling the hospital all the time because um, obviously you can't visit. Um, no, we're going to take him out of the induced coma this time. They tried to take him out a few times, and they said he was getting disturbed. The tube that goes down, when it was reducing the, uh, the medication, the, 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 he was biting the tube. So, 21 days later is when they finally took him out of the induced coma, right? Three weeks. Um, so when they took Steve out of the induced coma, he opened his eyes. And then they, again, they said they'd done the tracking thing, follow my finger. He wasn't following the finger. They said, um, squeeze my finger. He wasn't doing that. He wasn't doing any commands, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they said, it's okay. Maybe he's still got some, well, what they, I can't remember what the word is, what, what they give you to, to put you in induced coma. Um, some medication in, inside of him. So let that wear off a little bit. Next day, they said, mm, the alarm bell started ringing. So they said, we need to do a CT scan. Nothing, I don't think we're not looking for nothing, but just we'll just give him a CT scan, an MRI scan. Well, the CT scan and the MRI scan showed that the virus, this is what they, they've said, the virus has gone into Steve's nervous system and made his way up into Steve's brain and inflamed Steve's brain, the cells in Steve's brain, that we all need, right, to communicate um, and do everything. And Steve's got diagnosed with um, uh, one of the worst brain injuries you, you can sustain. It's called acute hemorrhagic leukoencephalitis. Encephalitis, for those who don't know, is a brain injury. Me and you can have encephalitis now, Lenny, and we can still communicate but we get some brain fog, some brain memory loss and everything. And we could get a, have some ep- epilepsy fits along the way, right? But that's encephalitis. That's the, that's the level there. Steve's right at the other end. And it's so rare. His diagnosis is so rare. His brain cells has been so inflamed, right? Um, it, they, 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 they were sort of in shock even to tell us 
I remember the, the consultant saying to before he told me and, and, and Julie showing us the scans and stuff, he had to have meditation. He meditated before he came to see us because he just didn't know what they was just so in shock, even now. No, no one doesn't know how Steve got this. And it's such a rare thing and such a severe thing, right? Acute hemorrhagic leukoencephalitis. If you Google that, the first paragraph, it says, quickly results in death. Basically, you don't leave the hospital. In a few days, you're, you're, that's it. Well, guess what? Two and a half years later, Stevie is still with us and he will still be with us. This has left Steve in a prolonged disorder of consciousness, which means Steve opens, he has a wake up asleep pattern. He opens his eyes. Um, he can't communicate. He cannot talk. He cannot move his body. Yeah, he can't do anything. He's been fed with a, with a peg, which is a tube in the stomach. Um, but there's been, you know, as, as devastating as it sounds, and as many times I've, I've, I've told this story, um, it's okay. Because against all the odds, Stevie is fighting away inside, right? What, what, the, what the, the, the doctors won't say is that Steve can hear you, because then they're committed to something, right? But we know that, that, that you know, your hearing is your first and last senses. Steve can't communicate. Doesn't mean Steve can't hear. Doesn't mean Steve is not inside doing stuff because one of the the the, the sad things what I'll say is 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 along the way with this is is what we've learned and when when you're in situations like this or other situations with loved ones when they have some some um, severe conditions like this it's the medication they give you okay the medication that that they've, they've given to Steve um, but Steve's wife Julie uh, family in pharmaceutical and she's very on it in terms of meds right. They give you to, uh, to these two meds, go a pen to the back of the Now, because of Steve's brain injury, he's um, very prone to, to getting spasticity, right? Which is where your muscles get tense and, you, you know, your, your hands could be left in, 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 a, in a shape or everything else, right? Because they're not moving. So for them to manage that, they give you the, these, these drugs, which relaxes your, your body and everything else. But in the same time as doing that. So Steve was at his normal hospital just a general hospital when this happened. He was there for three months. So as you see me now is how you would see Steve in the first three months, just that he can't talk, right? Visually and alertness and everything else, the same like this. Remember when me and Julie walked into the hospital to see him, I was like, obviously the, the night is so much anxiety because I'm thinking, what the fuck's happening to Steve? What's he going to look like? Da -da 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 -da. When we walked into the intensive care unit, and Steve was in his bed, he was sitting up in his bed. They got him sitting up there, just like this. His eyes opened wide. So it was such a blessing to see that because he just took away all my anxiety. Yeah, we're not happy that Steve's in this condition. I wasn't, but you know what? I looked at him and I thought, you're going to be all right, right? We went up to Stephen. But in that time from there to three months after that, four months after that, he had to go to uh, get assessed in the neurological hospital, and that's when they start giving you the medications. You go there to see where you're going to go, what care home, and what needs you need, what you need to, they need to assist you, right? You have to get assessed. Again, it's COVID, so there's no visiting, really. So we've seen Steve on video every day. So we've seen Steve go from this to being, we call it being tranquilized, man. Steve is like this, hanging out, dribbling, 
no communication. It's like, what the fuck? So we started doing, you know, but they, anyway, that, that's what it sounds like. Let me ask a question because probably people thinking the same thing at home. From when he is in the normal hospital to move into the other spot and they start medicating, do you think the medications is what did him in after the getting him out of the induced coma like you? No, the medication had nothing to do with it. No, 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 no. The induced, you're talking about the meds I'm talking about had anything to do with Steve's condition now. No, this is post-diagnosis. Okay. If this, if this is after. So initially when, the, when it happened, when they took him out of the coma, he's had the brain injury, right? He's had, he's had, he's had the brain injury. And then from there, he had to go to a, a neurological, neurological assessment place at the hospitals here. All I do is assess you for three months. He was there for four. And then they see you know, what, what hospital you need to go to, what care home, neurological care home, you know, and what needs. Every, every need is different. And Steve's is so rare, you know, obviously they don't know what to do, but they're giving him all these meds, right? So we've seen him just come down and down and down. Um, November 2020, he got moved to this, this, this great neurological place in, in Surrey, you know, I mean, in here in England. And um, we brought up the, the medication and that. So what's happening is in, basically in the last six months, Steve's medication has been reduced. Um, and we've just seen the change. I'm not saying take the meds away and obviously Steve's going to start talking. It's not about that. But if we believe, not if we believe, we believe that something's great, something great is going to come out of this, right? Of, of Steve. This isn't, this isn't, this isn't Steve, you know, for the rest of his journey. This isn't. Something great, trust me, is going to happen to Steve. Steve's going to come back, right? Steve's going to come back on what level, I don't know. But you've got to understand this. He's been written off in terms of communicating because of the diagnosis. So Steve will start to communicate and then we'll see where it goes from there, right? But for us, if we believe that, we believe that, but all these, he's been sustained with all these meds pushing him down. We're waiting for the brain to improve. These meds are making him go that way. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So he's fighting against the injury and fighting against the meds. So now he, he's, he's in a great place, but I need to go back a bit as well. So this happened in, in March 2020. Um, so 2021, um, Steve got moved to this new place to, 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 to where he is now in uh, November. It's coming up to two years, right on the 16th of this month. Um, and, uh, in June 2021, Steve was allowed, he, he's allowed where he is, they've got transport there and there. it's a really lovely place. They've got their own transport. So Steve's allowed a home visit every two months. So he can go home for three, four hours, right? Surrounded by his family and all that. So we've taken Steve home. Uh, my mum was there. She passed last year, but she was at, at she was at, the, at the, the first visit at Steve's house, Steve and Julie's house. And so Steve's just in a Steve's in a wheelchair, right? Steve doesn't move. Sometimes he might move a little, a little bit, but he doesn't. He doesn't move. He doesn't move. Can't move his head. Can't move this. Can't move that. Can't move. Steve's sitting on a chair like this. My mum's there. There's about eight, ten of us there on the other side of the lounge. My mum's there because we're Catholics, good Catholic people. Steve's sitting there. My mum's there praying, doing the rosary with Steve. She's, she's face on this way, side on side of his, his face. We're only all on the other side of the lounge. My mum goes, oh, my God, oh, my God. So we've, like, in a, in a panic sort of thing, we've turned around and said, what's the matter? Steve had moved his head 
like this, and turned like that. Really? To look at my mum. Wow. Right? Now, don't tell me that's just something going on. That's what happened. Right? And the joy that brought to all of us, right? Even that, when I say it to you, it does make me extremely emotional with just the belief that we have and the power that Steve has within him, right? And the power that my mum had for that even to happen and everything else. And it was just a beautiful thing. So on the back of that, Lenny, it just led us, because pre this, you know, I've had a lot of big DJs who were first before and a lot of friends, but the music people saying, what can we do for Steve? What can we do? What can we do? Da, da, da. Want to help out? And there's, there's nothing you can do. Just pray. Just pray and keep positive for Steve. And then, you know, Norman, Trevor, everyone's saying, oh, let's do a party. And I thought, no, because we're pretty proud people. So it's okay. Don't want to do a party. Don't want to do a fundraiser. Um, but when that happened, with Steve turning his head to mum, it's like, okay. So, so let's take that as divine intervention then. Yeah, 100%. So we just thought... Did you mention it to the staff at the place? Oh, yeah, yeah, of course, what yeah. Did, what, was their, what was their scientific answer? I'm going to hear that one. See, the thing about it is, and look, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not here to bash anyone. Oh, no, no, it's I, not I, I haven't got, Yeah, I haven't got time years. for that, even to bash things about meds. All I'm doing is talking and giving facts. No, not just, guess what my friends are. These are experiences. But you always want to hear... Because we, you know, if you have faith, it's a good look. It makes you, it gives, it reinvigorates what we all believe in that power, prayer, and positivity can do. What they say it was a nerve movement or something to 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 slack it off, like it's something. Well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what they said, but we did tell them. And the thing about it is, as far as they're concerned and how they've been trained, and I'm not hating on them. It's just how the system is, right? Um, you know. He's not ticking all the boxes. Da, da, da. It's not. It's not every hour when we do it. It's not every minute. So it's not classified as a response. It's yeah. not like Steve, turn your head and move there. But you've got to start from somewhere, right? And that's all you'd want someone to say. Do you know what? He's got to start from somewhere. Let's just keep building and doing that. But some of them don't know what to do because they're not trained for situations like this, and you know, and and to delve in and holistic stuff and that. And again, I'm not hating. I'm just. This is a journey what we're navigating through and how we're navigating through is, is we're holding the steering wheel and we're being, we're being guided and we're not going to turn, go in their direction. We know what we, we believe. Here's know? something that I wanted to ask you as does anybody else in the UK have this particular brain injury like your brother has? No. He's the only one. Okay, so like I said, the brain injury is, is, is we could have a brain injury. Encephalitis is a brain injury. He's got acute hemorrhagic leukoencephalitis. So about a year and a half ago, maybe we joined the we joined the encephalitis society because we wanted to find out more about what's going on. Right, I need to know what's going on with Stephen. And on they're really good. They're based in the UK, right? It's the biggest encephalitis society. They're based in Yorkshire, up north, and um. I spoke to John Azy there, one of the main guys, and I, I told him about the diagnosis. And I said to him, because we heard that word rear so many times along the journey from consultants. I said, John, please don't mention that word rear. He goes, I have to. It's so rear what your brother has. But on their website, they have a thing called Connect, right? So you can, like I said, there's different forms of encephalitis. So you can 
connect with different people. I think 40 plus thousand on their database they've got. People with encephalitis, right? That's just on their database. There's more around the world. That's just who's registered with them. So you can link up with people. So long as they agree to link up with you, you can have Zoom calls wherever they are, whatever. So it took them about three months to find someone. And they did find someone who was in Mumbai, in India. Oh, wow. This lady's son caught it, not from COVID. Um, I think he was nine years old or something. I think he's about 14 now. And he um, he's he caught it from a flu. He caught it from getting a flu. And he was in a worse starting place than Steve. His eyes were fixed, where Steve's eyes are just normal, like, you know. Um, but he's the, he, he's, that's the only one. Like, I get, again, I'll go back. I think Julie done some investigation and she found someone in Japan or somewhere, but we couldn't get in contact with that person. That, that was from COVID. But there's so many people that just don't make it out of the hospital. So that alone in itself is like, come on, man. It's like, Steve's not here to play, you know. Yeah, this is happening. It's not great. But we know inside um, that what happened with my mum was the starting point. Like I was going to go back and say, with um, the DJs and people saying, do a party, do a fundraiser. And I was just like, no, we've promoted loads of parties before. Don't want to do a fundraiser. And this and that, just a bit proud. I don't know why, but that went. When Steve moved his head to my mum, all that thought went. I thought, okay, everyone wants to do something. We've got a win-win situation here. Let's do a party. We need to get the house. We need to get Steve home so he's surrounded by love because what we just experienced there with mum, he needs to be around love. Right, and again, what happened to me in my in my in the ICU room when I was saying about this this love? It's so important, right? It, it, it's so important. It's everything. Love is everything. It's not just a kiss and a cuddle. The deep love is it's everything, right? It's powerful. So we we need we so let's get um, Steve and Julie's house renovated. So do that, raise some money, and that's where Dance for Stevie event, which happened October the third, twenty twenty one, last year. Yeah. Yeah, Dance for Stevie was born uh, to raise funds. And, and yeah, David Morales, you know, Mark Knight, everyone, so many people, David Lee, everyone got together and we raised so much money on that night. And um, the Garage City reunion we done the other day, October the 1st, nearly a year to the date, um, that was part of it as well. The other thing that happened, I don't even know why I'm laughing or smiling. So the first... The first, you know what, Lenny? Since um, since since this this COVID, since this spiritual thing that happened to me, um, in the white room, I've encountered so many so many other things, beautiful things, have, have, have come my way. There must be five to ten people that I don't even know, spiritual healers I might have even met at the airport, coming up to me and saying, "Is everything okay?" I said, "Why?" Because I can feel some energy from you that is just, and I thought, but I did speak to a few spiritual healers privately, and they did say my energy source has been raised. Um, so I'm attracting people of that same level, right? So, October the 3rd, 2021, our mother was suffering from COPD, which is a lung um, disorder. It's just, just the lack of breathing sometimes. So I'm not meant to go to hospital maybe three times a year, just for a week, just to get some oxygen boost. And that's it. She'd just come home after that. So in that time, she would um, get a bit delusional because of the lack of oxygen to her head. So every time she went in hospital, that would happen. 
So October the 3rd was a Sunday. Sunday before that, wherever day he was, mum was admitted to hospital. And on the Wednesday before the Sunday, October the 3rd, she called, because again, it's COVID, only one visitor. She called me and said, you're really close to mum, right? She said, Bob, um, you need to come in and see me. Uh, I'm not going to be here on Sunday. So what are you talking about? I had a dream that um, I died and the boat took me to heaven. So I thought, oh, that's a lovely dream, mum. Because my mum, you know, she'd pray every day and got all her books and everything else. But again, I'm thinking it's delusional with the lack of oxygen because she would sometimes say, when she was in hospital, pre this situation, she would say, um, I, when I go and see her, because, oh, hey, mum, you're right. In the hospital, this is, right? This is before this uh, my passing. Yeah, yeah, we went out last night to a party. I did, yeah, yeah, they took us to this party down the road. And I thought, oh, my. So I thought this was just one of them conversations. This was on the Wednesday. On the Thursday, my brother went to see her. He FaceTimed me. We've got this eight siblings, five boys. My brother, John, he said, oh, Bob, mum um, wants to tell you something again. Raising eyebrows like she's had the dream again. She said, I'm not going to be here on Sunday. I've had the dream again. Thursday, Friday, two other siblings here, same story. Saturday, um, before October the 3rd, right. so the 2nd. Now, I'm with Steve. I'm visiting Steve. And then the hospitals called me and said, Bob, um, your mum wants to see all of the siblings. I said, yeah, but if it's only one visit, it's COVID. Because your mum's asked for that to happen. We have to honour it. So all of us had to go down there. Right? She wanted all of us to be there, here we are, to tell us that she's not going to be here. She's going. And my mum knew that um, we had the party for Steve on the Sunday. And on the Monday after that, I booked myself and my wife to go to Ibiza, right, to go and get away for one, just chill out. Um, so I thought, when they, all the siblings left, I thought, you know what, let me stay and speak to the doctor. So next to three hours, the doctors do his rounds and wait for the doctor. I said, doctor. And he, he brought, I said, look, what's happening? Mum's saying she's not going to be, nah, nah, nah. I wanted some, some peace because I weren't going to see mum again. Sunday was the party. Monday morning, I'm off to Ibiza. And he said, no, he got the portable x-ray reader machine. He brought it out. goes, your mum's lungs are all fine. She'll be out on Wednesday. Okay, great. Mum, did you hear that? Mum said, because he, he brought it to her bed, right? Mum's gone, I'm not going to be here Sunday. I'm going. Um, so that was that. Sunday morning now, getting up to get ready for the daytime party, dance with Stevie. Starts at two o'clock, half past ten in the morning. I'm getting ready, get a phone call from the hospital. You guys need to come in. I said, Who's I said, Mum knows it's the party. I said, No, the doctors are telling you to come in. Mum's semi-unconscious. So we've marched down there and they found a massive big size of a football bleed on the side of mum's stomach and they said and she was silly conscious right opening her eyes and falling in and out and they said we don't know what happened but we can't move your mum to theatre because it's so severe she won't make it to theatre and she's not going to be here it's going to be today or tomorrow and do you know you have this feeling because we lost dad the year before and you have this feeling we're so close to our mum and you know we're all there um, and they're thinking I had these visions before because I've got two older sisters, right? You can be very, very, very emotional at anything. And I just had this vision of what is going to happen now? We're all in this room waiting for the doctor and I know what the news is. I just knew what the news was. And do you know when the doctor delivered that news? It was so calm in that room. I thought, what's going on here? 
I was expecting that out. And it was, of course, there were some tears, but not to the level. So now we're all surrounded around mum. We've gone to mum's bed, called my wife. Everyone's called their wives and the grandchildren will come. 30-odd people around mum's bed. Mum's in and out of consciousness. And all I thought was, look at this. That's why we have to believe. Because the doctors can show you. I'm not hating on anyone. This, I'm just giving you facts. Because these are facts that's happened, right? And this spiritual thing and, and this belief and life in itself, you know, it's, it's, it's beautiful and it is great. Embrace it, right? Sure. The doctors, no, mum's going to be out next week. They're going by what they see on the screen. We can look at screens all day long, right? There's a greater power and a, and a bigger power. My mum called it. She knew she was going. And she went on the Sunday. She went on that day. Do you know what I mean? And um, all these are just great beliefs and just beautiful things. Going back to it, what happened to me in the white room, I knew that happened to me in the spirit, in the spiritual room, in the realm with me. To, and I know on reflection, I looked and I thought, look at that. This was before Stephen went into, even went to hospital. That was to prepare me for what was to come. I know that. Because if I didn't have that spiritual connection in that room, you know, with this and that, and then analysing and having that feeling of love, and there is a greater love, right? It's not a cliche, people. It's bloody real. What experience was so beautiful and so powerful, honestly. It's, it's made me sit here and put a smile on my face and talk about my mum and talk about my brother. I get emotional sometimes as well, of course. But sure, so sure. it's all good. So with Steve, Steve is in a in, is in a great position. He's in a great space at the moment. Yes, yeah, Steve can't communicate right now, but he will. All right, Steve will, and there there is there is a great thing. I'm excited for the future. Right, I'm excited for the future, and and, that, and if this isn't a show, this is just how it is. It's it's just I feel Steve's vibration when I'm with him. You know, sometimes, and what's happening now which wasn't happening before, when we go to visit Steve, me and his wife, Julie, we video if we're walking in, if he's sleeping in his chair, we don't touch him physically to, to disturb him in any senses or to alarm him. We just say, oh, Steve, it's Bobby. It's Bobby, Steve, I'm here. Da, 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 da. And then slowly, after that minute, he opens his eyes. And then he, if he's not making a noise, he'll go, <laughs> he starts groaning. He was not doing that before. You weren't getting nothing before like that. Nothing at all. So for us, it's big. It's, 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 a, it's a big improvement because when you see this after two and a half years, you know, right, and you see these little things, then we've got so much hope. We've got all the hope in the world and all the positivity and all the love for Stevie, right, that he's going he's gonna, to – something – there's a story waiting to be told. And, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's – you know, and I don't want to come across that it's okay, don't worry about Stevie. No, no, we need to all keep on praying and giving that love for Steve. And I want to say thanks to every single one, everyone out there from the musical world and not the musical world, right, who have sent love, right, blessings, prayers, who've donated to have this, you know, the, the house plans have been granted, hopefully next year, um, February, March, April, we're going to start building on the house. So just in the summertime, it'll be finished. And Steve can start coming home weekends. Not going to come home full time first. But it, it, it's, it's just, yeah, I don't want to, I hope I'm not coming across like that. Just say, oh, it's all right, Steve's going to be some that. No, no. It, it's just, it's the inner belief that I just have to say. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to keep quiet about it. 
because that's the belief that we have, especially me, and, that, and that's, that's just how it is. Bobby, you being an uncle, a father yourself, how are you as a leader to the kids, Stevie's kids and all the children right now? Are you keeping everybody, you know? Yeah, well, like, the, thing, the, the thing about it is... Um, there's eight children, and now I'm I'm the middle one of the thing, and I've always, um, from a young age, from a young age, I've always been the the one. Come on, is it? I just do that. And I've always been like that middle, you know. Steve's five bits younger than me, but for me, he's my little brother. He's my identical twin brother. Do you understand? And what does burn me, obviously, a lot in this, because I'll do anything to look after all of my family, and they all know that, right? And I've always been that that person. It's not being able to, I'm gonna, we're going to do this, isn't it? You know, yeah. But then I think, no, but as I sit here and I think about it, it's okay because I am doing something about it and I am fixing Steve. Together we are all fixing Steve because we could be a lot different, right? I, I'm, I'm in a good place. The first three, four months um, when I came out, because obviously I was healing myself and then on top of healing, dealing with what was going on with Steve at the beginning. So I wasn't in a good place in the beginning. Do you know what I mean? Navigating life without Steve. I don't know life without Steve. I don't know life without Steve. We're twins. We've been together all our life. We didn't, we don't even live together for the last 20 odd years or whatever. But guess what? We've always been the same fucking weight. How does that work out? <laughs> you know what I mean? We're just, we're, we are exactly the same in all aspects of everything. So it was really, really difficult for me. It was in, in, in the beginning. It's like, Wow, 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 wow. I had to take that. You know what, Bobby? Everybody sees you laughing and happy. You know, they don't really know. You know, that's why I asked that question. You know, having that stiff upper lip and it's an English way, you know, everything's got to be pomps and circumstances. Everything's got to be perfect. Yeah. But let's be real. This is family now. This is not. What what people don't know, what we got, me and Steve, we've got hearts, right? And I'm very, I'm a very emotional. I, I can be as, as hard as they come, right? But I've realised that's easy. Anyone can be as hard as they come. Anyone can swear. Anyone can do something. It's love. It's forgiveness. It's, it's all that side of it. It's emotions. I cry. I've been crying not just from COVID. I, I cry at films, man. I'm a very emotional guy. Do you know what I mean? I'm very emotional. But someone said to me, that's because you've got a heart. And I thought, well, there you go. I'll take that. Do you know what I mean? It is what it is. Sure. It has been. The beginning was very, 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 very difficult for me, right? Um, it, it was. And, then, you know, like I said, we lost our dad in 2019. And it was on the back of that. And I got sick. I thought, oh, dad. And then Steve. And yeah, just could never get. I, I took I to our therapy. I paid for, for private therapy. And I, it was the best thing I could have done. The best thing I could have done. Because I said, right. But, okay. I was going to give up music when I was in, when I had the love situation in my ICU room, right? When I say, oh, my God, love, 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 I was thinking, right, no more music, it's been good, but I'm, I'm hearing another calling, right? I'm hearing another calling. And then this happened to Steve, and I thought, oh, giving up music, not doing it no more. And then when I took therapy, um, my therapist was doing Zoom calls, and then um, it was the second from last one. I took back 10 of them. She said, Bobby, please don't give up the music. I said, so I'm going to get up. I said, why is that? She goes, because... Every time you speak about music and you speak about Steve, you you glow, you smile. And I didn't even see that. She goes, you smile every time when you talk about him. She yeah. said, don't, 
don't kill. And a few people have said to me this before. She said, don't, it's your DNA. Don't kill your DNA. This is part of the universe of what you, and I thought about it and that's, you know, and it's the best thing I could have done because now I feel Steve's energy when he's not with me, when I'm DJing out, when I'm doing anything to do with music and doing the dance for Stevie. Like I said, we've been promoting since 1984, all right? 38 years this year. The buzz we got from promoting me and Steve together and all the excitement and all our team that we had and partners was amazing. Doing well, da, 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 making money, all them things. What's happening now with the events what we're putting on? And remember, I'm not really, I wasn't really the promoter. Stevie was and our partners that we've had. And Michael Borgid, Michael Hughes, you know, Chrissy T, all our team. I was, I'd, I'd do little bits, but I'm the hands-on man. It's like, you know, usually you've got this, you've got this. Me doing this now, and I'm truly, I like to do this a lot single-handedly because I get such a buzz out of it. The purpose I have now is so rewarding, right, for doing that. And even on that, then I want to say that um, even when I'm, I'm starting the Bobby and Steve Foundation, it's called the Bobby and Steve Foundation. Just wait, we've got the registration, just wait for it all to go through now. Because I thought we just want to give back. And I thought, although we haven't been giving all our lives to people, I want to just give, I've got such a purpose, which is just lifting me. Um, it's called the Bobby and Steve Foundation. It's going to be obviously funds for Steve, but also to help other people with neurological needs. And that's that, That's the purpose of what I've got now, which is lifting me and keeping me on track to deal with my wife, my family, my and my kids and everyone else, you know? And it's not, I'm not trying to be strong. Um, I'm not being, I'm not one of these guys, like, oh, you're all right, yeah, I'm all right, but I'm not really all right. I don't, I'm not, I won't do that. I'm real. I keep it real. If I'm not good, I'm not good. But what? Where the, the place I'm at now is my... Um, I don't have down days. I have down moments. Do you know what I mean? And then I just, I, I, I carry on. You know, I have my, I have my moments. You never know when it's going to come. You know what I mean? It's like, but when it comes, it comes. I just, um, yeah, when it comes, I thought I'd get emotional a lot throughout this thing, but, and then I done it, like I said, at Johnny and Catholic Society, and they invited me to, um, to talk at their conference um, last week in Birmingham. And it's fine. I've got this. Another, and I'm talking, and it was only a 10-minute talk. I got choked up about two or three times in that for things that would never choke me up before. So you just never know. Do you know what I mean? But it's fine. And I welcome it because I'm just human, man. And, and yeah. that's it. You know, that's it. But it, it's, it's um, I want to just, just say I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a really good place. Um, and, um, yeah, and I, I, I have to share that with everyone. I'm in a really good place. Yeah, that everybody about everything it's in a good strong peaceful faith within within faith place mm -hmm. has a lot of faith inside of him yet yeah you did it i mean bob you gotta keep that torch up high and keep that light that fire burning bro yeah no definitely one million percent um one million percent i don't know any other way to, to do it now honestly, honestly. You, bobby if you stop It'll never, you know, you need, you can't stop. You have to do this. Mm. It's your calling, brother. Yeah. As a brother, you owe him that. You do what you do. And don't stop and don't let nothing discourage you. No, 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 no. Honestly, I'm, um, my, my, my thinking process, my positive thinking process is not, it's not a false um, situation. If, even like, like, next year we're 60. And even now I'm thinking, okay. I've now, got to take Steve to Ibiza next year because Ibiza is our spiritual home. 
it really is. We've been going there since 1991, right? Um, and it's it's just it's it's our it's our place. Do you know what I mean? And me and my wife, we're blessed. We bought somewhere out there. We bought a place out there uh, four or five years ago. Um, so that in itself has become a sanctuary for us. Do you know what I mean? To go and just right by the sea and just get that energy. So I'm planning already for Steve to come out next year, right? For Steve to get on the plane. I'm looking at a private jet. Steve to get on the plane because I just know what he wants and what he needs. And I'm going to make our 60th something. It's like we just, you know, Steve will be in. He might, might not be in a wheelchair, even if he is. I'm planning for him to be in there if he is in there. He's coming. We're doing something. We're going to be doing something. You know, it's not going He's to coming. just to, you know, manifesting, believing, yeah. everything else. That's that's where it's at, man. And and I I believe you will make that manifest come to reality. Mm-hmm. I know you will. You have very strong will. You've proven it. To everything you've done in your careers, both of you. You've taken things from ethos. And like you said, we went and got offices. We didn't know anything what we were doing, but we just went and opened up an office and then we made records. Hey, you know, yeah. it is what it is. You, you you don't see, you don't hear the word no, you just hear yes. And that's yeah, and, and, yeah, and we stay within our we stay within our lanes, if you know what I mean. We don't do anything. As we believe is this too far reach. Everything we never thought, oh, we can't do that. It's too much or whatever, too big. But we've never done anything from the outside in. But might be people might say, oh, it's just a bit of a big deal to do. But for us, it's just, just everything. Just all our moves just seem like the right natural moves, guided natural moves to do. So stay with it and stay with your gut intuition. It seems to be working. It's worked up to now. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's definitely worked up to now. Wow. And um, it's, 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 it's going to keep on. It's going to keep on working because I believe and Steve believes and we, my family, believe. We're built on a foundation of love. Love is, is all you need, man. Let everybody know. Is there, is there a charity that they can um, give? Yeah. So the Bobby Steve Foundation is just, it's getting launched soon. It might be another four weeks. But we have got a GoFundMe um, link for Steve. Um, which is uh, Steve's COVID brain injury story on GoFundMe. If you check out our Instagram, um, you can see details on there as well, or on our Facebook. Our Instagram is Bobby and Steve. I meant to search, send you out social links, but I didn't. But it's Bobby and Steve. Bobby so, A and D. He was barely on time. That was Stevie's job. Stevie <laughs> got me everything, but that's all right. Exactly. Listen, I didn't. Did I? I didn't even stress over. I said, "Don't worry, everything will be fine." Yeah. Just if you guys, if you can't remember, just Google it. Bobby and Steve's GoFundMe. It'll come up. You'll see. Mm-hmm. Real simple. And if you have something to give, is more than what they had yesterday. I always say. Exactly. 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 Every and we little are, bit yeah. helps. And we are and grateful. If you don't have truly, truly. And if you don't have to give, when you go to church or wherever you go. Amen. Put that prayer aside for Stevie and say, Stevie, we'll come back. Yeah. We'll get him back. Exactly. Exactly. And it's not about finance all the, all the time. You know, people ain't got, people ain't got, um, like you say, but it is just about coming together in mass and just putting some good positive energy out there for Steve. Do you know what I mean? And for all of us, we all need it, man. We all need it. 
And we need you, Bobby. You still got a lot of life in you. I don't care what. Yeah, I ain't going nowhere. I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. Like I said, because of the purpose behind everything else. And even I'm taking some bookings now as well. Yeah, um, I know. I see. Yeah. I mean, I was yeah. I was joyous to be with Bobby at, at Spen's party. We we hugged. We hadn't seen each other a lot since yeah. COVID. And it was just like a family reunion for me. Yeah. yeah. Seeing all the fellas, you, you, Booker T, Neil Pierce, yeah. everybody was Ricky, real. Ricky Morrison, that's right. Yeah, we were Ricky, all there. it was great. It was just like that felt, that feeling like it's crazy in our world, guys. You know, you could take 35 years in one second, that time space doesn't exist. It's mm. like we were just where we were yesterday. Like, you, if you know what I mean, Bobby, understand that? Like, it doesn't, that time, yeah. maybe you don't yeah. see each other for a while. But all of a sudden, you see each other, like, time hasn't gone by. It's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah that's right. Because uh, our connection is, is for music, right? And music, like I said, our music. I don't know about anyone's music. I can only talk about our music. Our social <laughs> music it is a powerful thing. Our you know, music. Talking about our music, it's a powerful thing. So we all connect with that. And, you know, we ain't got time for this hate thingy, Bob. You never hear stories about poverty for hating situation. Yeah, we can hate, but we... Come on. I love everybody now. I love everyone. You know Amen. that. Amen yeah. to that. Bobby, can't thank you enough spending. And here's what's funny, everybody. We're at the two second hour. He asked me how long would this go for? How long have we been on now? Two hours. Okay. And it couldn't be enough time to give you everything you needed. And you got it all out. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Bobby. Watch Bobby with Bobby and Steve, of course, their productions. They're doing their special anniversary at Ministry of Sound on the 26th of November. Yep. Leroy Burgess. I know Mr. Louis Vega. Yeah. the <laughs> rocket. Yeah. We've got Neil Pierce. We've got Jazz. At Jazz, yeah. We've got a whole lot. Groove Assassin. It's going to be a great thing. Yeah, it's going to be a great 30th anniversary party. We're going to be celebrating big time. And uh, also, don't forget, Guy Beef has launched. So we're back next year in Ibiza at the Palm Star Hotel. It's a new home, and we're going to be rocking I'm it out there. Eighteenth to the twenty-first um, of May. All the information on everything we do, go to GrooveOdyssey.com or check out our personal Instagram page. He's a promoter now. <laughs> I'm a promoter. He's got raw talent now. He's a salesman. He's taking on Stevie's job. He's going to bring yeah, us man. home. Bobby, thank you, baby. We love you. Thank you, Lenny. Thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for letting us share your platform. Oh, yes. Thank you. And also, I want to give a special shout out to someone that gets forgotten through all this. Um, Julie, Steve's wife. Yeah. Um, My wife's a cancer survivor of Varian. And what happens when the loved ones are in the seat of what's going on, the spouses somehow sometimes get forgotten. So I want to say a special, strong shout out. Keep the faith. We're all pushing for you, Julie. And of course, Bobby, you too. You know how we all feel about you, brother. Yeah. Bobby, don't leave us. I like to say goodnight to everyone. Thank you for tuning in to True House Stories. We shall see you next week. 